welcome to the Misophonia Podcast. This is Season 7, Episode 23. My name's Adil Ahmad, and I have Misophonia. This week I'm talking to Liz, who was actually a guest back in Season 5. Liz is up in Canada, has misophonia, and a son with autism. She's had a number of comorbidities over the years, including having dealt with postpartum depression. We catch up and, and see how things have changed and what she's learned about living with this and raising her son. After this show, uh, let me know what you think. You can reach out by email at hello at misophoniapodcast.com or hit me, up, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at misophoniapodcast. And uh, of course, I'd like to remind everyone to head over, leave a quick review or rating wherever you listen to the show, whether it's Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever. Now, the more reviews we get actually helps us drive us uh, helps drive us up in the algorithms, which helps us reach more listeners. A few of my usual announcements. Thanks again for the incredible ongoing support of our Patreon supporters. And welcome Tiramisu, I think that's a code name, as our latest supporter on Patreon. If you feel like contributing, you can read all about the various levels at patreon.com slash misophoniapodcast. And of course, I want to mention the book Sounds Like Misophonia, a self-help book about misophonia written by Dr. Jane Gregory with contributions from myself. It's available everywhere you find books, published by Bloomsbury UK, and you can order online or ask for it at your favorite bookstore. This episode is also sponsored by Basil, the personal journaling app that I developed for iOS and Android. Basil provides AI-powered insights into your journal entries and guides you with new writing prompts uh, based on those insights. You can even explore many different therapy approaches, modalities, and philosophies. It's fun. It's available at iOS and Android. Check the show notes or go to hellobasil.com. All right, here's my conversation with Liz. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. I think it's been a year since I spoke with you last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you doing kind of the same thing? Kind of like uh, you want to uh, get pretty much exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to kind of give kind of an update? I know that you you know, want to talk a little bit about your you know your son with autism, uh, I believe. Yeah. Um, but I don't. Know, you want to get, kind of give us a general kind of like uh, update on kind of how the year has been. Huh. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I have a sleep disorder that seems to have gotten much worse. Mm. And so even staying awake for this right now is bad timing. But um, the one thing I have noticed is that whenever he brings some disease home from that germ factory we call a school, Mm -hmm. um, and I catch it, and of course I have it for at least three weeks, um, anytime that my immune system is down, my misophonia is a lot more acute Mm -hmm. um, and I'm a lot less tolerant. So over the holidays, uh, this time I still did get it from his school, but it's because I went to his school's Christmas concert because he was actually the last one to get it in the house this time. But it was a really bad stomach flu and uh, I couldn't stand any sounds, like even just ones that you never noticed before yeah well i mean a lot of this yeah, stuff that comes with a physical ailment is a lot of the stress obviously and you're probably not you, you know if you have sleep just having sleep issues obviously you know these are things that kind of always exacerbate um that must have just gotten 
th- those things must have gotten worse as well. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So wait, does your son also have uh, misophonia, or is it, it... doesn't seem yeah. like he does? Um, it's more the uh, sensory um, processing right. disorder than uh, misophonia. So what commonly is associated with autism? He can't handle certain sounds, usually loud. Um, mm. Like the vacuum cleaner, he always has to put his earmuffs on for that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the stuff that typically triggers me, so the chewing and the sneezing, coughing, repetitive stuff, um, he does that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he and I have had conversations about different types of neurodivergences and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. He knows. I, I will try to tolerate it as long as possible because some of it is self-soothing. He's stimming. And mm-hmm. I don't want to stop him from being able to do that. But at the same time, the repetition will get to a point where I'm going to end up vomiting. So I tell him, okay, we're we're triggering my nesophonia now, and he'll stop. So now, is the vomiting, were you saying vomiting is a figure of speech or like... No, yeah, not yeah. a figure of speech, no. Okay, yeah, uh, no, because I'm sure people were late, so I just want to make sure that that's, yeah, that people are hearing that because yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a very strong physical reaction and it's specifically to repetition. Mm. Um, I discovered that when I was 14 and I was trying to write the lyrics down from some really strange song and uh, so I had to keep going back and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. So I was hearing this song a lot over and over. And by the time I got to the end, I got up and ran to the bathroom and threw up. Wow. wow. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I wasn't sick. So I Did, hadn't really um, thought about that yeah. for quite a while until I was seeing a psychologist for actually for postpartum depression at the time. And we ended up talking about that and she was like uh you have you ever heard of misophonia i think you have misophonia i'm like what oh really yeah and that was the first time i was like oh all those years in high school where i wanted to strangle everybody i wasn't nuts right (laughs) but we are nuts but uh, i was kidding but uh, no No, we are yes exactly (laughs) thank you for correcting me yes exactly um Actually, yeah, talk about that psychologist. So you said postpartum. I'm just curious kind of what about that discussion that was supposed to be about postpartum led her to start thinking about misophonia. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in therapy, but you kind of explore everything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I was seeing a psychologist specifically referred for postpartum depression when my Mm -hmm. son was born. And... Uh, We might have just been talking about things that irritate me because, you know, um, with a a new child, you're getting sounds you're not used to. Mm -hmm. And most of the sounds that came from him actually didn't trigger anything. It was a a separate thing. But I started to talk about high school and how, um, you know, if anybody cleared their throat, like I wanted to punch them in the neck. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, that I, I thought that perhaps I had an anger management problem. Ditto, and so, ditto. <laughs> so she explored a little bit further. And yeah, that's where my diagnosis came yeah, from. Right? Makes like, oh. total sense. Yeah. 
Um, and the funny thing was, I was even referred by her to another psychologist who was doing um, a DBT course. It had nothing to do with this, but I remember having to bring that up at one point because it was a group thing and somebody came in with a cold and I was just holding on to my chair while they're sniffling. Yeah. And so I explained it and the gasps in the room, like people thought I was going to go violent on that. <laughs> and the, uh, that particular psychologist wasn't aware of misophonia. It was the first time she had heard it. Mm. And yet she was a colleague of the other one that had diagnosed mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately, the word is still getting around very slowly about misophonia. Um, yes, was anybody able to help professionally at that point? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't seek help specifically for that, but yeah. because I was taking dialectical behavioral therapy, you know, there's a lot of different mechanisms that they use anyway for coping strategies. And so some of those skills are transferable. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, basically mindfulness is always a big part of it, but I also um, try to just avoid humans in general because I don't like them. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't, know issues. If, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if misophonia sparked my misanthropy or <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I don't remember ever actually liking people, but mm -hmm. uh, I also don't remember never being bothered by noise. I know a lot of the people that you've talked to, there's usually a triggering moment in their lives. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah, and around yeah. the same age and, and whatnot, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't ever remember not being angered mm. by those sounds. Do you have memories or have people told you about, um, uh, you know, moments in your life from an early, early, early age when you kind of showed signs of this? Nothing that I can recall being told, mm -hmm. but I guess part of it would have been they wouldn't really know what I was reacting to either. Mm. Right. So if I was that, but I just know that there wasn't a point that I can remember not reacting to it. Um, right. But I always knew, even really, really young, that it wasn't normal per se to want to hurt somebody just because they're clearing their throat. So I did whatever I had to do, remove myself from the room or turn up music or whatever to distract myself. Yep, yep, yep. Um, oh yeah, actually, I wanted to, wanted to get back to uh, want to get to one point before because um, I'm going to forget a, a bunch of good questions. But about about your son, I'm I'm curious. Was there an age when the tr him triggering you start to happen? Was there or was there was there an age when was there a, a age range where it wasn't a trigger and then it started to happen? Um. Yeah, it's there's a there's a, a very fuzzy time period during mm -hmm. the postpartum depression because my uh, my depression began when he was three weeks old, but it wasn't diagnosed until he was six months. So I was living in a very paranoid state for quite a while, yeah. um, and I wasn't actually part of my own head. So anything then I have no recollection of, uh, unfortunately, and yep. so I. I don't know if anything triggered me during that time or not. Yeah. Once I started receiving treatment for the postpartum, 
Um, I would say, hmm, I want to say it was probably about the age of two, but it would have been, I think he was older, actually, when it's uh, the, the sounds started. Like, it was the other usual sounds that were triggering me when he was about two, but it wasn't him. Um, gotcha. And then, as he got older, probably around four, I started noticing that when he would repeat sounds, and it probably coincided with the fact that that's when he did it mm-hmm. <laughs> as well, like he wasn't doing it before. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to say 100%, but I think really probably around when he was four years old, which would have also been when he was starting to demonstrate certain characteristics common with autism. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, and okay. And then maybe, but now switching back to, to, to you growing up, um, you know, you, you said people didn't maybe notice what you were reacting to. I guess, yeah, I guess what started to happen is you, as you got, as you got older, it probably started to become clear probably that you were, mostly triggered by sounds um how did that kind of evolve like at home and then at school um fortunately i have no recollection of anybody <laughs> in my family specifically being a noisy eater uh-huh. or making any of those sounds so I, I dinner was always pleasurable it wasn't a torturous event for for me like it has been for so many others with misophonia yeah. but coughing sneezing yeah. sniffling clearing throats, any, I call them organic sounds. And, um, I would say, hmm, I probably started making the connection around eight years old that that, that my anger always Mm -hmm. arose when I heard those sounds, but Mm -hmm. it might've even been earlier because I just know I'd hear the sound and I'd be like, oh, just, yeah. 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 So yeah, again, I, I think probably right from the, the, the beginning. Um, as I got a little bit older, uh, I started to try and develop a theory as to why those sounds would cause such a strong reaction. And I started mm-hmm. thinking about survivalism and what would that kind of response have done, you know, maybe a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't even remember what I'd come up with because, like, that's 14 years old. <laughs> no. And I bounce around with those theories from time to time. But, yeah, yeah I, I'm it always... interesting con- to think about, yeah, how that I'm always convinced yeah. when it comes to stuff like this, especially now that we're finding out that it is more common than we ever realized, right? Um, there has to be a reason for it. I don't think... I know that it is referred to as a neurological disorder. Mm-hmm. I don't think disorder is actually apt for mm-hmm. this particular... Mm-hmm. I, I do think it's evolutionary in the same way that I think autism is actually the next step in evolution of the human mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about this. Yes. Yeah, I definitely think so. So I I believe that this is some part of, I don't know, some survival mode. Now, the only thing is, you know, between individuals, you've got freeze or fight or flight so i don't know if one served better than the other i know my default is fight so (laughs) i'm very very aware (laughs) well i want to get back to the yeah i want want to get i want to hold hold that thought and get to the um Mm -hmm. yeah hear about it fight fight moments but but yeah i I want to um 
it, but yeah, I want to mention it. Yeah, because you're right. It's called a neurological disorder. I feel like, I mean, I may be effing this up, but, you know, disorder basically just means it's like something, anything that's kind of like um, disrupting your normal, I guess, kind of day-to-day, day-to-day life it doesn't necessarily mean defect. And so, um, um, and that's why I think, yeah, I mean, I think this there's something about misophonia, which is either, yeah, this heightened sense of, danger awareness or seeking out danger that was necessary a long time ago is always necessary and um and yeah so I, but i've always yeah i've always kind of i guess debated in myself like is, does this mean that we just kind of have this thing we need but at a too much of a heightened level or or yeah is this kind of like a a, a next step are we doing it you know in the future do we are we going to need people who are extra sensitive to sounds to warn us of some some danger um I, I do I I definitely whatever it is, I do agree that it's that it is it's not your body it's not something wrong with your body. It's your body trying to warn you something in, in good faith. You know? Um, uh, definitely. Well, we just, you know, from the simplest perspective, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, um no. you know, COVID really proved something. It, it proved many, many things over the mm-hmm. past couple of yeah. years. So um for those of us who have that reaction when somebody coughs and you wanna oh. take them out. There you go. Well, think about it. They're gone. They're not spreading it around. Yes. If, yes. if all the mesophones that are fight reactive uh, were permitted to do what we want to do, I don't think it would have lasted two years. Hey, we should have been like, like a canine unit, you know? If we can yeah. go around, like, instead of <laughs> sniffing for drugs, if we're listening for COVID and take those people out, no yeah. questions asked, this, we, yeah, we would have had no it lockdowns or anything. It would have been dealt with a lot yeah. quicker, I yeah. swear. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently there's this whole moral imperative well yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. what what are morals i mean they, they you know it's they're, they're, yeah it's subjective but it's uh, yeah you know it sh- they should evolve <laughs> that's true you know, so um i think that should be the big takeaway from this this conversation actually <laughs> to kind of like uh add something to that my issue with a lot of um I guess, I don't want to say therapies, but like directions in, in research is like, it's very much uh, looking at misophonia as a problem that needs to maybe get a pill to fix or something like that. I feel like it's not necessarily like maybe the best way to go about it. I don't feel like we need to like um, call it, you know, make it seem like an evil defect. <laughs> There's something well, see, that maybe, yeah. That's yeah. exactly it. That's why, you know, the word disorder, because mm-hmm. it, it, it suggests abnormality, right. right? There's the norm, and then, and that's that. Like you know, autism is a neurodivergence. It's yes. different from what's typical. Although we're also seeing that being diagnosed a lot more too. So, mm-hmm. I prefer to refer to it as a neurodivergence because yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just it, it diverges from my son's divergence. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. Do you think? Um, do you think? And this is, yeah, this might be going off topic, but I love this this kind of like um, type of discussion. Do you think you know, things like autism or, or misophonia are they being diagnosed more now because maybe as a society we're becoming too homogenous and normal, or it's or maybe you know we're just able to identify things or you know, advocate for these things a bit more? Well, I know for misophonia, that's definitely an awareness thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because right. a lot of us are adults and we're only finding it out now. So, you know, we've lived right. 40 
four decades or whatever with it. It, it was there the whole time. Yeah. Um, autism, there have definitely been huge steps in terms of the process of diagnosis because they learned that uh, females display very differently from males. And mm. they, they were diagnosing based on the male characteristics because those oh. were, I guess, a lot clearer to understand. But um, I have watched a lot of TEDx talks uh, <laughs> of different autistic individuals, and the females always say the same thing. Like, they weren't diagnosed until they were, like, 30-something, and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. their lives made sense. Mm -hmm. And it was because they present differently. So the one How do thing females that, present? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Um, I think because we're also, we tend to be nurtured in a, a certain way by whatever the society norms are. Um, girls mask a lot quicker, uh, a lot earlier in life. And masking is exactly that. It's hiding those things. Mm -hmm. So they learn earlier on how to fake being acceptable. Mm. Whereas with males, I think maybe there's a bit more of a struggle for them to recognize why they're not fitting in mm. and how to mask. Um, so the females, I, I can't really speak to it because I don't have autism. So I, yeah. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I just know that they all said they presented differently. Gotcha. So there's a female version and there's a male version. And I know the DSM-5 has the newest uh, diagno diagnostics for it. And it's a little more clear, I think. Um, but, you know, even, even for my son and his autism, we went to a developmental pediatrician who said, nope, he's ODD. And I'm like, okay. ODD? Oppositional Defiant Disorder. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it, because it does present that way because he's struggling to communicate yeah. so it seems like he's in opposition and being defiant however it didn't it didn't gel with the behavior just it didn't click for me and and then i took him to a pediatric psychiatrist same thing he's like no he doesn't have it and then i finally got referred to uh, a, a specialized unit where the doctor was like, yes, he does. She's like, it's subtle things that are showing. And I was like, no, that's interesting. You know, mm. like, it's luck of the draw who you end up with. Like, how yeah. would I have ever found out that I have misophonia if I didn't have postpartum depression and end up with this particular psychologist? Mm. Yeah, that's luck coming from the draw. podcast before where, you know, especially with our, um, maybe not as much in Toronto, but like in the U.S., you get shuttled into a, some health insurance plan, and then you have limited yeah. amount of doctors, and it's like, who you end up? Well, even in Canada, I guess. I mean, if you, um, you know, it's it's, it's still it's the same. Not, you don't thing. have as much choice, and so it's kind of who you end up with could, you know, basically dictate your entire life. Um, exactly. So and so, there's probably a whole whack load of misophones out there who are still, you know, suffering, trying not to strangle their loved ones or well that's why this podcast exists and why i love self-diagnosis from the internet <laughs> so back to the original question about whether or not it's diagnosed more or if it's occurring yeah. more um one of the things that i remember reading about autistic research long long time ago i had to be at least 20 years ago was in canada they had discovered that 
areas that had higher rainfalls throughout the year had higher numbers of people being diagnosed with autism. Hmm. And I always, I, that always stuck with me because I was like, okay, they're not saying it's causative, obviously, it's just associative, but what does it mean? <laughs> and then when more diagnoses started coming across, I thought now it would be really interesting if they started observing the weather again. Because of course, with climate change, everything's gone just bananas. And so we don't have that same consistency anymore. So if there is something causative about the weather, Mm -hmm. With these pregnant women giving birth to autistic individuals, it'd be really interesting to know. Yeah. When you said that, actually, I thought of, and I'm not a conspiracy person at all. I'm just, uh, it was stuff that came to mind because I grew up in Canada. And I remember uh, in the 80s, it was, um, there was a big debate about acid rain, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, ozone layer as well, but acid rain, pollution, and then um, coming down in the rain. And so... Um, when you, you know when you mentioned uh, more rain and more autism obviously my mind went to that a little bit but um well, but yeah, it's not, impossible to say. not not drawing a line but i'm just uh, saying yeah that's another thing i'm wondering like, like you know some <laughs> some things have been kind of like talked about for a while but mysteriously no research gets done and why is that funding yes yes and who controls the funding and then this whole other uh -huh. <laughs> thing um so let's talk about yeah i mean let's talk about so misophonia sound triggers for you growing up were you also having uh, issues with the other senses you know a lot of us have misokinesia which is the visual um, triggers. yes definitely because i i don't know if this is common or not the misokinesia if it is Very. always hand in hand with misophonia or not but um like i said repetition was definitely a big one and so simple things like touch like shaking or touch yeah yeah uh, just if okay at first visually if I see and my brother was one of those leg shakers good god yeah. I wanted to cut his leg off the Jimmy legs yeah 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 he he has like this crazy metabolism because he's always shaken <laughs> but anyway um that was one of the physical things that uh, but I I used to just like put my nails into his leg um and he would stop briefly uh, the other was if somebody's touching me and the touch is repetitive, like even if it was a massage, but they they lingered a little too long in one spot, mm. all of a sudden. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 been uh, visual and uh, tactile as well, um, and then the sound. If if the sound is repetitive, definitely that that has the strongest uh, mm. reaction. For you, um, is there are there certain types of music that are that are an issue as well? Because you know, modern music is based on repetition. I'm just curious if there. Well, this is the one thing that because I really reacted to country music, and I never understood. Oh God, so do I, but there was there was a time when I was doing my undergrad, and I was doing some student work in a lab to make some money at the same time, and I walked in to the lab that day. And somebody was playing country music. There was a CD in the player and it just struck me. And I don't remember this. <laughs> I apparently walked up to the thing, popped it out, took the CD and snapped it in half. And the person who owned it came over in shock and I handed it to her and said, don't play country music. <laughs> and then I kind of 
came back. <laughs> yeah. So they never played country music in that lab again. But I had never thought of it until, again, I had the diagnosis. And it's like, yeah, because there's a, a twangy repetition for me in a lot. Now, mind you, it's a lot of older country music, but I still associate it. If it sounds country, it feels like it's trying to tear my skin off. Yeah, yeah. So I have to stop it. Yep. I hear you. Okay. Um, no, that's, that. yeah, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. Um, I'm also not a fan of the country. And anything else, um, I can enjoy, you know, techno and, and pop and Yeah, stuff, I was going to get into that stuff, right? Like, yeah. electronic music is, is very I, repetitive, obviously. I can enjoy it, um, but only is very limited. But it doesn't hit me right away. Yeah. But once it does finally kind of, okay, this is my max, then it's my max. And that's one of the things, again, with my son, um, you know, kids and screens in this day and age and playing all these different games. And computer games and well, video games, their sounds are all repetitive. Right. So it takes very little time for me to tell him, turn the volume off. Exactly. And he does. Yeah. Does he use, like, yeah. Does he, does he have it on speaker, like on the speaker or do you just have him use? Um, usually he's, he's playing on my tablet. So mm. it's, yeah, it's just blasting out. Um, he just turns the volume down, gotcha. but he's also really, really into that type of music. And there are, well, God knows how many. It's not like I run around checking out YouTube, but there are a couple of channels that he really likes where they just play that music from that game. Uh, and okay. Yeah, he really likes that. So I have to do the mental compromise of, okay, this is stimming for him. So mm. I don't, you know, I, I got to let him do it, but he knows that there's a limit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so yeah, getting back to getting back to you, you maybe yeah a comment you made earlier about it, uh, obviously m- m- mis- misanthropy. You you know as an adult you have to interact with adults at some point. I'm curious. Oh, yeah. uh, um, how does that work in terms of work or outside work, socializing? Does well, that happen? <laughs> I guess I'm fortunate in one way, <laughs> and not at the same time. Um, because of a bunch of health issues that have arisen mm-hmm. in the past seven years, I'm on disability, so I don't go into a workplace. Mm-hmm. I'm at home most of the time. So other than the people living upstairs in the house I'm in, who drive me bonkers with their mm. sound, um, because this is not a soundproofed environment, uh, the only time is on public transit, mm. you know, or in a shop GTC. somewhere. Yeah, uh, in a shop somewhere, um, or when I'm either dropping my son off or picking him up because those parents are just fascinating individuals if I wanted to do a PhD, but <laughs> I don't. Aren't they just <laughs> staring at their phones? A good portion of them. Mm-hmm. It's, they're, um, what's, what's the word? They're millennials. I'm Gen X. Oh, Okay. So, yeah, I kind of don't fit in with them. And I I, I don't know 
it, it, it's really strange to me to witness it because I was like, well, we're all parents of kids the same age, but I had my boy quite, I was 39. <laughs> so, mm. you know, some of them might be that age now. The, the interactions with them, you know, it, because they definitely give off that, that air of entitlement, which includes things like taking up my space with their sound oh, yes. and their everything. So, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of, well, I don't want to say confrontations, uh, but I'm, I'm blank for a better word. So. Yeah, no, yeah. that's uh yeah, actually, yeah, we were, we were going to come back to some, uh, yeah, some maybe anecdotes. Do you have any kind of like uh, anecdotes? Because you said you are more on the, the fight side, and I'm sure a lot of people would relate. Um, well, I was known in high school um, as a very angry, like I know there was the mm -hmm. teenage angst, but I was known as angry. Yeah. Um, I did have the nickname Psycho. Yep. And I, yep. <laughs> I, I guess uh, there are, there have been some times where I probably crossed the line before I realized it. Mm -hmm. Just, um, but people tended to just chalk that up to my personality. Mm -hmm. um, so if I slam somebody against a locker or mm -hmm. threw someone mm -hmm. in a garbage can, like it just, I don't know, I got away with a lot. <laughs> Were those related to sounds, or was it just um, Liz? Um, sometimes sound, usually more just because people existed and they were in my vicinity. Because mm -hmm. uh, um, I definitely was known for being very um, sharp, sharp-witted with my tongue. Um, and uh, that's usually with the adult. You never use profanities, though, I'm sure. Almost never. <laughs> Almost <laughs> really? never. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've always been a very big fan of British humor. And so yeah, of course. Yeah. I found that they seem, to, they seem to lack an understanding of the English language for the most mm -hmm. part. And mm -hmm. so I just used that on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it, it, it was it was my coping mechanism because I can't stand people. So at least if I could amuse myself, um, mm -hmm. you know, okay. Humor is humor is a coping method on its own. So, yes, it is. Um, well, I've always said my life is a series of stupid stories. <laughs> um, seriously, I should actually write a movie script yeah. for it. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I've also said if it wasn't for humor, I probably would have killed myself a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely a coping mechanism. Let's see now. So the my son's father, who we we separated in 2020, um, pre-COVID or uh, yeah, because you know okay. that was a brilliant time for me to move yeah. from one province to the other. <laughs> it was July 2020 when I moved, Ooh. right in the middle. So, <laughs> brilliant. Um, he had some repetitive behaviors that I kind of had to coach out of him. Mm. I, I don't know how you would really describe it. Just idiosyncrasies. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but he was like, they were things that he did un unwittingly. Like it wasn't really a conscious thing. And of course I made him conscious of it. And so I think he was conscious enough to avoid doing it in my presence. 
I don't think he stopped necessarily doing any of those things because he was also neurodivergent himself. Mm. And so probably stimming a bit for him. Mm. Um, but other relationships, I don't, I, other than the snoring, mm -hmm. snoring was definitely one and I have smothered a few briefly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because we just need to do it briefly until they stop breathing. So, no, that, well, yeah. you know, it, it's, you, you work with what you got. It's the yeah. middle of the night. You're tired. What's there is a pillow. I yeah. mean, you know, and, and if they start choking, they wake up and they stop doing that. So, right, right. although one guy went far enough to uh, actually go and get surgery, uh, he mm, had his, yeah, the, yeah, whatever, he had his and and all that, whatever it is, yeah, yeah, yeah and uh, I don't even remember if it helped or not but i guess i must have punched him in the gut once in the mm -hmm. middle of the night and so he kind of took that as a hint mm, yeah I, <laughs> sometimes i really don't remember so yeah um otherwise it, it wasn't something that came to light because of course i didn't know then that it was misophonia either so it was probably something more that I attributed to their own individual characteristics and them just being annoying, which yeah. of course went quite well along with the fact that they're human. And so their existence already annoyed me. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. They're already at a disadvantage. So, yeah. Yeah. And they know that too. Um, right. <laughs> they usually discover that pretty early on <laughs> with me. I don't know why they try now that you brought that up. <laughs> You're like, yeah, let's date. I, don't know why I don't want you to exist, but yeah, let's date for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I could go full exposure, and you know, <laughs> it wasn't right. exactly an emotional connection I was seeking. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Which, there is we go. Why, which is why now I don't bother people at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got two guinea pigs and two cats, and their sounds don't bug me. What are your, I mean, what, what are your, obviously, yeah, so you obviously stay away from people and you're, you know, you pointed out things, uh, you know, public transportation and whatnot. Do you have other coping methods? Like there, do you have, I don't know, like ear, earbuds, noise canceling headphones? I'm just kind of curious when you go to the grocery store uh, well, or whatever. I do, I do like to listen to music, so I will put my earbuds in. Okay. Um, for, that's another interesting thing is for the period uh, after I'd given birth and, and during a postpartum depression up until probably just this past year, uh, the paranoia that I developed <laughs> made it difficult for me to use music to block out other sounds because I was worried about missing sounds that were mm. threatening. Mm. So I've only started to re-engage in that. And yeah, being able to blast my music and not hear anything else is a big, big help. So you were, were you, was it related to your, your, your son that you were afraid of missing sounds? Like basically. Well, that was part of it. Yeah. That was yeah. part of it. The, the paranoia went, it was extreme. Like, first of all, I was terrified of my own baby. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, uh, the transition to solid foods, I took a very methodical scientific approach to it and I didn't sleep. I was constantly mm. processing information about what was the next food item and if there was a reaction and mm. stuff like that. And yeah, then there was the, I need to be able to see him and hear him all the time. So yeah, I stopped listening to music until he started listening to, you know, the wiggles and whatever. And right. That's right. repetitive. Oh yeah. Yeah. I listen to the wiggles too. <laughs> curious kind of what, what does your son think of your misophonia? Like uh, you said, you talk about it. I'm just curious kind of what his, what his thoughts are. Well, 
Um, he's a very, very intelligent person. Mm -hmm. um, the last time he was tested for his cognitive abilities, he functions at least two years older than his age. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so, like, he understands a, a lot of things that a lot of adults don't even understand. So mm -hmm. I don't know how much of my particular problem he understands, but he does know repetition can make his mom sick mm -hmm. and that I can end up vomiting. Mm -hmm. um, he does know that certain sounds cause me to... I try not to react as angrily as I used to, so he just knows they bother me. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of Kind of it, really. As far as I know, we yeah. haven't gone into any depth with it. Um, I also suffer from migraines, but he doesn't seem to have any empathy where that's concerned when he okay. wants something. So, yeah, it's it's hard for me to tell exactly where the line is for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Speaking of uh, so, venture migraines. I'm just curious. Like, other comorbid conditions uh, that you have that you want to don't mind bringing up oh good god uh <laughs> i'd be listing off a lot but um the migraines definitely uh i'm a human barometer mm. so every time the atmospheric oh. pressure drops my migraines hit mm. and uh not every single time but i can guarantee that the pressure has dropped if i get hit with a migraine mm -hmm. and i've actually done comparisons where <laughs> i wake up and my brain is in a certain state and i'm like i'm gonna check the weather network and they're saying oh it's going up and i'm like no it's not and then about an hour later they've changed it like, yeah, yeah. I, should, I should work for them yeah oh yeah if your barometers don't work no you so, just yeah. you, you just you just have a you just have to make a website that you that you update based on yeah. how you're feeling and then pay wallet <laughs> yeah my, my migraine <laughs> barometer that would be uh -huh. lovely so yeah the migraines and definitely um when I'm hit with a migraine, I can't tolerate any sound because it's painful. Um, so then, of course, I'm also far less tolerant of everything. And so if I was to have any of that type of triggering sound around me, I'm pretty sure I would not stop myself from hurting somebody. Yeah. But typically with a migraine, I'm in the dark, alone, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't be around people with that. Um, well, Liz, yeah, we're, you know, heading up clo close to an hour and yeah, anything, anything, I've covered a lot of ground, obviously, but I, I don't know, any, anything else you want to share about yourself, your, your son, mm -hmm. kind of like what you've, um, I don't know, you say, but yeah, you obviously somebody's thought about misophonia a lot. Um, anything you want to share? Actually, I'm curious, do you know anyone else who has misophonia? I don't know if we talked about this in the past, but, uh, um, not like you mm -hmm. interact with a lot, but. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I can't yeah. say that I've, I remember meeting anybody. I remember when I had first discovered it, I had posted something that somebody else with misophonia had written to describe it, um, just on my Facebook. And one of my high school friends read it and he responded saying, that sounds horrible. And I'm like, uh-huh. And he was one of my close friends in high school. So he was one of the people who thought I was psycho. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it kind of just opened a window for him there. It's like, yeah. oh, she wasn't nuts. Gotcha. Or she was nuts because of sound. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, 
Well, um, it's great you're spreading awareness at least, and maybe you'll recognize yeah, somebody else. Yeah, I, I, I have actually, when I previously spoke with you, I had not told any family members about it. I have spoken with my dad about it now, and he is aware of it, although he has such a horrible sleep disorder that he has no memory most of the time, mm. so... He can forget and repeat himself, and then I'm like, you know, you're repeating it. Stop talking. Just mm -hmm, stop talking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's the other thing I have discovered recently um, as a trigger is that when two people try to talk to me at the same time, and this happens a lot when you have a kid, <laughs> I don't know why. One starts talking, and the other one always has to start talking too. That one is a mega trigger for me. And. I uh, I snap back pretty sharp, uh, pretty fast. Like I, I remember the last time it was, once again, it was my father and my son, and the two of them are both talking at me. Neither of them waits to see if I acknowledge one of them. They just, you know, and I'm trying to decipher the conversations, and finally I, I, I just yelled at both of them. I cannot understand you if you're both talking to me, but it was really because it was just constant sound, period. And I was like, oh, wow. I can <laughs> definitely feel that. I definitely do have an issue with two people talking at the same time and then neither of them realizing that, neither of them thinking, maybe I should just kind of like hold off and let the, yeah. you know, let one conversation happen. And I think it's, for me, it's like a worse one. Um, I always, I'm always paranoid that as soon as I start talking, somebody else is going to start talking at the same time because they thought <laughs> something to say. <laughs> it's like, and then I feel like, I don't know if it's, um, I'm always looking for the, uh, Murphy's law, but I feel like it's always, it always happens that way <laughs> where, <laughs> where I'm in a group of people, I'll think of something to say, but it just happens to be as soon as somebody else is going to start. <laughs> I have something similar, but opposite to mm -hmm. that. Um, where somebody will make me think of something and I'm so terrified. I'm going to forget it. <laughs> that I, I I try to seek any opportunity to get it out there because yeah. otherwise I'll be wandering around all day going what was that? Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> I think my thoughts are far more important anyway. So. Well, of course they are. Yeah. Second to mine. But, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, well, cool. Liz. I mean, yeah. This this is a uh, yeah great great catching up. And time flew by again. We might have to um, obviously we'll yeah. talk to you again at some point. I uh, always love talking to Canadian misophones, especially <laughs> the best kinds. And um, yeah, but uh, yeah, thanks thanks again for coming for coming on. And uh, yeah, good good luck with everything and, and your son. Thank you again, Liz. Fun conversation as always, and I hope you stay in touch. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a quick review or just hit the five stars wherever you listen to this podcast. You can hit me up by email at hello at misophoniapodcast.com or go to the website, misophoniapodcast.com. It's even easier to send a message on Instagram at misophoniapodcast. Follow there or Facebook at misophoniapodcast and on Twitter X if you're still using that. It's Misophonia Show. Support the show by visiting the Patreon at patreon.com slash misophoniapodcast. The music, as always, is by Moby. And until next week, wishing you peace and quiet.